The more you know, the more you know, the more you know, it's the more you know. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the More You Noble Sports Podcast. I am Mike Noble. Once again, you can always follow us at Twitter, at Twitter, on Twitter, at More underscore Noble. Uh, Find us on Facebook. Again, you can find us from the More You Noble Sports Podcast. I am joined across from me by Caleb Noble. Um, You can find me on Caleb Noble 08 on Twitter. And also hanging out with Lars Newbar and friends. Yeah, at times. So there is that. Folks, what, what a fantastic football Friday we have for you, but we have so much more that we need to talk about because right now St. Louis is the land of dreams. Yeah, it's, it's not football season yet in St. Louis. It's the land of epic magic. The mat, the magic is in town. Everything we need. And guys, we are so excited to have uh, our, our regular guest essentially. Now he might as well, we might as well make him our third guy here in the booth. If we had a booth, that, that is. Uh, we are super, super excited to have a man who is joining us who is doing his damnedest to make sure Caleb does not get a new starter or air conditioning in his truck. And I can't thank him enough for that because I'm pretty sure that I'm going to be the one who's going to have to pay for this because FanDuel's not helping us out. I woke up the other morning, my FanDuel account was at like 38 cents because this man is making sure that that is happening, not just for me, everybody, but he is making your FanDuel accounts dreams come true as well. Once again, our only national champion who has ever been and might only ever be on this show, Mike Godar. What's up, buddy? Hey, how's it going? Thanks again. Again, appreciate you having me back after two losing weeks. So, but here's the deal: if the Cardinals can win twelve in a row, I can win twelve in a row. So I I'm still it. a believer. I love it, absolutely, one hundred percent. We are on. We are on board. Look, again, we told you four hundred gets you your own wing in Cooperstown. Three fifty, right. not bad either. Nope, not bad, not bad. And, and just just wait till we get hot. That's all I'm saying. That's exactly right. Because you have to, there's probably a saying in there. Like, you have to weather the storm to get that's to right. the calm. I don't know if that's real it's or not. The calm so, there we go. So, yeah, but I'm flipping it. Yeah, so that's not Something like that. I feel like right. let's make it a saying because you have to weather the storm. Yeah, yeah. That's too wordy. The storm before the calm. Right. Okay. Whatever. Mike, <laughs> look, first of all, we had you on last week and the Cardinals were on a run. Uh, 12 in a row. They, they are rolling. Right now, we are six up, are, are uh, five up on Cincinnati and Philly. Obviously, they're playing here soon. Uh, we're actually they're playing right now, uh, currently. Magic number is six. No matter what happens with them, the magic number is six. Five up in the loss column, which, as far as I'm concerned, I've been saying this all, all, all along. Once we kind of got hot, uh, the loss column is what you should pay attention to, because if they don't ca- like, if you don't start losing games, you're fine. Mm-hmm. And it, there's magic in the air, brother. It's, it's, we are hunting red Octobers, but September right now is a magical, magical time in St. Louis. Hey, the more, the more this goes on, I mean, we're up to 12 now. We just swept the Brewers. I mean, butts are going to start puckering here about winning a division before it's all said and done. They're going to have to get – here's what I'm worried about. <laughs> I'm, worried, I'm worried that they're going to get incredibly close to that division. To the point to where the last game means something, and then they're going to have to throw Wayno and not win the division, mm-hmm. which fucks them for the wild card game. Excuse my language; that's a little soon. But <laughs> we are cool at the end what, of the night. What I'm saying is, either they they win it or they don't even get close. I don't want a Wayno pitching on a Sunday to try and get some the division that comes up futile, and then we end up, you know, throwing John Lester against the Dodgers. I think you just have to set your rotation ahead of time and live with it. 
It's set. So I agree. And, and I agree. I agree 100% with that. If, if it comes down to Sunday and you have to win to get in, which, guys, we are way ahead of ourselves. Like, yeah, But, again, I get it. I understand that. Obviously, I'm not saying don't throw Wayne right. in that game. No, I I'm am. Saying, I think, and that's what Mike's saying what is I'm, no, you stop. set it up. They, they've set it up. You can't do anything else. They have too many games and too little amount of days to do anything different. That's what he's saying. It's not set up for Wayno to throw that Sunday anyway. It it's not. You, it, it is. Wayno, Everyone has talked about it. it Wayno threw today. He will then throw. No. You're wrong. Whatever you're going to oh. say, you're wrong because they've talked about it. He has to throw that last okay. game of the season if it matters. You are right. I know. <laughs> but, I, 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 yeah, I think my tried you, you go with however. Again, guys, we are – that's way ahead of ourselves. What I'm, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying either either win the division, which they're not going to. Seven and a half, half right the, the, wild, the, the number for Milwaukee is three. It's three. They go play the Mets. They're probably going to get it this weekend because the Mets are the worst team of all time. So, just go. And, and we're watching the greatest sports team of all time. I mean, they're, they've been incredible. They really have. They've been good at everything, and that's the thing. Luis Garcia and Tizer McFarlane have turned the season around single-handedly. And how, how fitting was it today to extend that winning streak? Wayne looks so defeated. He has saved us all season. And to be able to save him from today, that was, like, that was like so poetic. I don't even care if they win tomorrow. But they have to win once because they play two games. But, that I mean, he needed that. Like, he has saved us so much throughout this year. For us to lose the winning streak with him, on the, that doesn't feel right. Right. Like, that can't happen. And don't, by the way, the part day fucking garbage. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that in a little bit. Awful. So save that, save Terrible. that, right? So yeah, Mike, I'm I'm on board, dude. I I, I, I am not looking at the division. I'm really not. Not I, I'm yet. setting it up for this wild card where we're gonna shock the world. Well, until we lose or get eliminated, the division's still in play. Agreed, agreed. I and I'm just kind of I'm I'm at the point where. Hey, if we get to that number and it starts to really drop, and all of a sudden you go, "Oh, hey, here we are," then okay. Right now, I'm just enjoying the ride, man. Let let the Black Crows have a song. Let me share the ride. I'm not going to sing it for you, but that's <laughs> what not? I'm doing right now. I'm sharing the ride with everyone because this is hey, all those all those twitiots that were on Twitter yelling at me about Mike Schilt and wanted him fired and they wanted to get rid of everybody, right? And I have had my moments about being critical about Mike Schilt. I will I will never back down from that. Critical versus firing a man is a whole different world. But all the Twidiots who, who came at me, they're really quiet right now. I do want to say that after Alex Reyes blew that save to I, big Dan Vogel back, let me say it. Like, <laughs> you told me he was Mike Matheny. Okay, take I, that back right now. <laughs> take it back right now. Okay, let me, let me say no, this. Hold on, hold on. I will, back, I will, but let me, just, let me preface this. That was an all-time low for me. Right? An all-time low for me for the Cardinals watching that happen. And there were things that might have been said, just sort of like an argument that you might have with your girlfriend, where you say something and you're like, oh, that didn't mean I did. But here's the I thing. I take it back. Okay, I take it thing. back. I was arguing with you about that, trying to be rational. I was not and there rational. was no bringing you back. No, there was not. I was at another level of irrational, and it doesn't happen a lot that day. Was my, what, how, I mean, what were your feelings that day? Well, I, I, Mike, if you were defeated, I was probably that times ten. I, I, that was that was definitely an all time low. I, I don't even think I could formulate opinions to, to say I need a manager fired at that point. I, I, I was just dumbfounded and um, depressed and ready to call the season. Same, same, and like I said, I might have said a few things that. I regret looking back. I'll be honest. Right? Sure. So I take yeah, those it, back. 
Yeah. I I also have if we if we all want to be have real talk here. August thirtieth, I did post about how where the Cardinals were at August thirtieth when it didn't look good. That Mike Schilt might need to be manager of the year because of where we were because of everything that had happened to us. So we have to take the good with the bad. Right now, here's the thing. This is the key, and this is what the three of us have talked about. It's what we talk about with Matt. It's what we talk about with everybody. Rob, everybody's come on here. In the month of September, Goldie's OPS, 1.017. Nolan's, 9.15. Tyler's, 1.092. Look, hey, I think that they all got together and said, look, Jeff Albert, we like you. You're a nice guy, but fuck off. <laughs> Fuck off. We don't like what you're telling us to do. So they brought out a little rage again. Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. And we went from there and look what's happening. That's what I think happened. Also on air, we need to clear some things up. This is a clearing <laughs> up episode. He has been on the hate Tommy Edmund train. No What? Not done. <laughs> Saying he can't be an everyday player. Take it back right now, because if you think that this team would be where they are right now without Tommy Edmund. The dude single-handedly won, handedly won us a baseball game two nights ago by getting on base, stealing second, scoring that run off of his base running, and then knocking in the other run. Take it back. I don't like all these take-backs. Take it back. Because it's the same time we have going to be an everyday baseball Matt, player. Mike, okay, the guy that leads well. the National League in doubles. All right. The guy that lead, the second in hits as a leadoff, from the leadoff spot in the National League while not being there for a month. And the guy that has the second most defensive run saved at the position of second base in all of baseball. Take it back. <laughs> he does have a 702 OPS. I don't give a shit. So his ten managers like 750. Fuck it. Take it back. <laughs> he's not he's not a slugger. All right, listen, let's talk. First of all, Mike and I were on the same wavelength. It's a dumb wavelength. We were. Maybe. Again, maybe we say things we don't mean. Maybe at the time we mean them and circumstances change. I'm the only one that's level headed. Everyone <laughs> <laughs> what, that, what you have just done in this first 10 minutes, not level-headed. All of it's rational. <laughs> Mike, you and I were on the same same page with this. That We thought this team is, would thrive the most with Tommy Edmond being a super utility guy, correct? Yeah, and and, and I'll, I'll, I'll stick by that. I mean, he is definitely on fire right now. And as Caleb said, a huge catalyst and the great comeback that they've made. But I, I still think as an everyday you know, year to year ball player that he would be best getting about 450 to 500 at bats as a guy that's playing all over the field. I disagree and with that. You couldn't name five that are more valuable than he is in baseball, the whole sport. You couldn't name me five. So to say that he's in the, he would be at every single person's top 10 second baseman in baseball. So to just assume you could find someone to replace him. But you just said top five. Is it top five? I'm saying you couldn't name me top five. But I'm saying there might be people that would argue against it. There's not one human being that would argue that he's not top ten. So to say you're just going to find someone to replace that, you're not. To be fair, to be fair, right? A 658 OPS in September, not great. Not not really good. I agree. I agree. And he had he made some incredible plays. Always does. Yes, he has. I I'm not taking it back. That's ridiculous. I get it. I get it. I, here's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that he continues to improve, and he proves everybody wrong because that's what he needs to do, and I'm okay with that. He doesn't need to prove anyone anything. But, but also, here's the thing. I'm also not on board with going out and finding a second baseman to replace him. There's no one you can find that you can replace him with that's not locked okay. up. Okay. And there's no one that's going to come up that's going to be doing what Nolan he's doing. Nolan Gorman. 
He's not going to bring the value. Because like wins. two months ago, that was you were on the, not even. I was a on month the ago. You were on the Nolan uh, Gorman at second base every day train. That's I what you were on. I you were. No, I want him at DH. I'm going to go back and, and listen. Go to ahead. Him. I said I want him to be the DH. He's not a good second baseman. Tommy's one of the best defensive second basemen. Okay. And if you don't watch, if you watch every game and tell me that he's not a big part of every single win, then you're not watching the games. I I love what's happening. That's what I'm not going to. I'm not going to put anything on anything, other than what is happening right now is incredible. Yeah, let us enjoy it. Yep. Okay. <laughs> there are no take-backs, Tommy Caleb. deserves your respect. I respect him. I love him. Wouldn't be when, when, he's playing right, when he's playing well, I love it, but I'm with Mike. He's a leadoff hitter of a team that's about to make the playoffs, and you just want to shit him away and say he's a bench player. No no one is saying a bench player, right? Matt Carpenter is a bench player. Matt Carpenter sucks. Jose Rondon is a, is a bench player. Edmund getting four to 500 at-bats a year is not a bench guy. But why, I just don't understand why I you mean, what, want that value in your lineup every single day. He helps you win. He's a net positive every day. Now, here's what I will say, Mike, and I want to get your take on this. Um, if Edmund is your everyday second baseman, which actually right now I'm okay with, all right? Don't you agree, though, his value is at the number eight or number nine slot next year? Absolutely. Okay. And I think that makes this I, – I still believe, and I know, Mike, you've been on this train, so I kind of want to hear from you here in a second, and then I'll get Caleb's take on this. I still believe Dylan Carlson's our future leadoff guy. Yeah, I think so, too. I, at least – of the guys that are currently on the roster, he's I, he makes the most sense. Correct. Now, if we go get Correa, that changes the game. Well, I know, but maybe you put him there. I don't know. I don't, well, that's getting way ahead of ourselves. I'm just I I just feel like this team is way better when he's in the lineup every single day because there's not a day that goes by where he doesn't do one thing. That there was a game where I guess the Padres a pivotal game. He made two diving plays that saved runs in he the did. first two innings. He did, and I agree right now, especially with this makeup of this team. There's no one you're going to put in there over him. No, but there's not many people. That's what I'm saying. There's not many people in the league that – there's not many teams in the league that want to play him. Yes, the Dodgers want to play him. Right. Because they have Trey Turner playing second base. Yes, the Braves would teams. not because of Albies. Yeah, the, but they would probably find a place for him. The like, Brewers, Wong, that's a good argument. Wong's defense is, is obviously number one yeah, in Wong, the league. Yeah, Wong's a really good player. Yeah. But there's not many teams that you could find right. a legit second baseman that's better than him. Okay, let's not, let's not focus on next year because I'm telling you, I, I, I love – this is – I don't even know what to say this. 2011, we've talked about that. we talked about 06. This seems even maybe di- – I, again, I don't know. My thoughts? Yeah, it's – well, I, I, I'm out of words. The similarity for me is um, similar to 2006. Uh, around early August, I completely gave up on the team. So that that's one similarity. In 2006, I didn't even like to watch that team play uh, around the – beginning of august and there was probably a week uh in early august where i didn't watch this current version of the cardinals either um but here they are they reeled me back in and i I hope we have the same result as 2006 the the funny thing about 2006 is this team right now is about to pass the amount of wins that team right it reminds me a lot of 11 and the only reason i think of of 11 a lot is obviously one is closer in my mind than six also 10 year anniversary right which we'll talk about here in a little bit also but um, the reason is because, honestly, thank you, social media. The ability to go back and see right now, living through what we're doing right now, but also being able to see my posts from 10 years ago when we were chasing down the inevitable. Like, we didn't, nobody thought we were going to catch the Braves or pass them. And there were a couple terrible losses. I believe there was a, a Thursday or a Friday night loss. It was just, I don't believe, I don't remember if it's the Mets or the Cubs. It was somebody bad. And it just absolutely crushed us. And we thought it was over. And then the next thing you know, they get hot again. And it, it just reminds me so so much of the fact that that team had Chris Carpenter and nobody else in the rotation. 
I mean, no, no big names in the Probably. rotation again. And it just reminds me, Wayno is doing the Chris Carpenter of 2011. Yeah, minus you know yelling at guys as they round the bases and right. you know cussing people out after he strikes them out. It's basically the same guy. <laughs> and screaming at his shortstop. <laughs> oh man, I miss that guy. So do I. So do I. What, what an electric human being. Awesome. So I, I, since we did just bring up 2011, I just want Caleb to talk about this because I want I want you to hear this a little bit. Um. Saturday night was the 2011 reunion, and I get a text from Caleb that says, I'm literally surrounded by my heroes, followed by a text that says, Adron Chambers just came up and told me, hey, dude, I just used the women's bathroom. Just thought you should know. <laughs> I, I have never met a human like Adron Chambers in my life. I will say that for a fact. There, there are certain moments in your life that you can't take away from anybody, and it is very clear to me that that is the moment of his life, and it will always be. And he is thriving in that situation. And I loved watching every second of it. He was, he was the night, one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my life. Like, he was talking to everybody. Him and Jason, I met Alan Craig and almost peed my pants. Which is like, for those of you who listen who don't know, Alan Craig is Caleb's all-time favorite Cardinal. My favorite player of all time. Yeah, all-time. It's Alan Craig. And I met him. I saw Got David to Freeze. To I was talking to David Freeze. It was almost like I was out of my body for a second. <laughs> was, so the only people I didn't go up to were Matt Holliday and Chris Carpenter. Because the, just their pure stature intimidated the hell out of me. I looked yeah. at Chris Carpenter and I was like, oh my God. The dude was like at least a foot taller than me. But it, that was, it was really weird. And Adron Chambers coming up and saying that. Like, I heard someone say that to me. I was like, "Raise some homeless dudes about to come up and talk to me. And I looked over and he kind of looked like one, to be honest. And he said it and I was like, wait, are you Adron Chambers? He's like, yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> are you serious? I was, like, I, I was like, I still remember watching you score on that pass ball. And you're up here telling me that you're peeing in the women's bathroom. Which, by the way, I don't know why he was doing that. There's a lot of toilets in the men's bathroom. <laughs> because he's Adrian motherfucking Chambers. I guess, yeah. That's right. he, was smoking a cig- he was smoking a cigar. Gerald Laird was yelling at him, telling him to shut up. Weird moment. I am guy. so glad you got to experience that and then share that with us because the, t- the, the pictures you were sending me and the, the, the uh, texts were amazing. And the fact that Adrian Chambers walked into that with everybody, into that clubhouse with everyone, as if that was his night. Yeah. And he and Jared Laird, everyone in that stadium, forty-five thousand people were there to see Adron yeah. Chambers, and he was going to soak it all up. Yeah. I love it. And Jared Laird told him to sit down and shut the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> because he was standing up saying he was the MVP of the series. Jared Laird was like, You're the MVP of the series. Sit the fuck down. Oh, uh, I'm so glad yeah. you got to experience it was, that. It was really, That's awesome. It was so strange. It was really. Yeah. It was cool, but to be there in front of people that I was, I was nine when they were doing this, so they were superheroes to me. My dad let me fall asleep during the 2011 World <laughs> Series. Actually, probably told me to because I had school happened. the next day. Yeah, you did have school the next day. But being a responsible, I, I will not. But I, I don't know. I don't. I was honestly at a loss for words. I was like, I don't know what's happening. And everyone there was like, "What is happening?" Like they were all in the tunnel with me. I was texting my friend. I was like, "I'm literally right next to Alan Craig and David." And the Chris fact that they obviously no surprise here. The fact that they were all awesome dudes yeah. is no surprise. It was I mean, of- that team is e- was so easy to love, and I'm almost getting the feeling. That I feel the same way about the twenty. I don't know what the future holds, but Mike, all of a sudden, you you look at this team and you're like, we we've said it all year. Like Caleb and I've talked about it. We've talked with you about it. We couldn't figure out why it wasn't clicking because the talent was obvious. It's clicking, and this is so much fun. Yeah, and it's you know, anytime you have a, a great team uh, that that makes a great run, you you have that feel where 
anybody can step up and make a big play or get the big hit and it's a new hero every night. And this 12-game winning streak is starting to feel that way. It's it's not one guy every day. It's, a, you know, a different guy stepping up and, you know, whether it be, you know, the Luis Garcia's of the world or obviously Goldie's been on fire and contributing all the time. But just up and down the lineup, big hits, Tyler O'Neill. So it's one of those things where it finally – came together for whatever reason. And I would love to, you know, if this continues and we get the storybook playoff run and, you know, get past the wild card game and, and deeper into the playoffs, I, w- I would love to read the excerpts of what it was that turned this whole thing around. Do you think, I almost think we'll never know. I wonder if we'll ever know. Like, you know, obviously Tony put the book out. I, I wonder if we'll, we'll ever know what, what happened there. I also think, I, May- I, I actually, hold on. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. We know what happened. We do. Caleb Noble started working for the St. Louis Cardinals (laughs) and it's 14 and two since then. It was immediate success. But anyway, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, that, okay. Well, I've got to hear Adron Chambers say it or it's not real. (laughs) I think we can get Adron on. I think he'd be hard to find. Anyway, (laughs) maybe go through the streets of St. Louis. You might see him somewhere. Um, But anyway, I think we were talking a lot about how, um, Earlier in the season, they didn't have an identity. Nothing was going well. They weren't hitting. Their bullpen was trash. Their starting rotation was trash. And it was someone letting you down every night. It is the exact opposite right it now. Is. Like, the, I, they're I scoring early. Yep. The pitch, their starting pitchers are give, keeping the lead. The bullpen's keeping the lead and closing the games out. And, this, and the hitting is extending the lead. It's like they took everything they were doing wrong and said, oh, we shouldn't be doing that anymore. And that, then they just decided to do it. They, they had to sit down with Jeff Albert, I'm telling you. And I don't they said. Well, if you're going to shit on Jeff Albert when things are going bad, at no, least no, no, don't no. shit on him when things but, are going bad. But here's well. the thing. Here's my thing, and it's not – again, I say this sort of tongue-in-cheek, right? But the approach at the plate is 180-degree difference. It's also – something ha- – like Mike said, it, I can't wait to hear if we ever know, which we might never know. But if we do, somebody somewhere – and we know Tommy said something months ago. Mm-hmm. We know that that happened. Somebody somewhere said, look, this isn't working, and this team looks more aggressive at the plate. And, again, we all know that winning – and success breeds confidence up and down that lineup. And like Mike said, it's somebody – it feels like it could be anybody. It feels like it could be Ron Dunn. It, it could be so – It does feel like it's kind of the same three. But like if you look not, at the big, big I mean, hits, yes, it's but, Goldie, but that, it's Tyler, it's Nolan. But that's what you need them to be. If, I know. I'm big, not saying it's a bad thing. Because we were saying earlier in the year, we just need two of them to go. Mm-hmm. If two of them go, we feel comfortable. We got three of them going. Yachty comes up with Dylan's big going. hits. Dylan, big hits. Tommy's running all over the place. Sosa does something great every night. Rondon off the bench has been incredible. Matt Carpenter had three doubles in like a week after he didn't have There's a hit in a month. Quietly on fire. This and, and our defense is, is impeccable. And like Mike was saying, with the fact that it feels like you can do it, we were just talking not too long ago before this started. It felt like somebody was, like you said, let you down every night. It was somebody different. Bader makes an error that he never makes in center field. Sosa makes an error short that he doesn't make. Whatever it is, it, it's it's electric, and you don't ask why at this point as an athlete. You just keep it rolling. You show up in the clubhouse tomorrow morning, and you just keep going at it because what what they're doing is so much fun, and baseball is finally starting to take notice, it feels like. Oh, they are. And, and I think, like, I think the league is being served yeah, right now. And I think we I think we, we will ever know what pep talk they had or what remember the Titans, Denzel moment they had. But I do think that – I think that we can point to what turned this team around. And it's John Lester and Jay Happ. The two guys that we didn't think it would, it would. But earlier in the season, we were talking, and you were, you were slamming on the offense a little bit. And I was telling you, 
when you don't have the confidence that any of your pitchers are going to hold the lead, what is the motivation to get excited when you get that first two-run home run in the first inning and to continue? You don't have the motivation because, you know, somewhere down the line there's going to be a bad inning. When you have two guys that have stabilized the pitching, and as weird as it is that it were the, was those two guys that come in and do it, they're doing it, and they have the confidence now to go out there and know that when they go out there and score early, there's a pretty good chance that they're going to have it hold up until they can add. And that's really been what has changed. You can point directly to those two and say that they have changed the outlook of this season drastically, in my opinion. Mike, I got a question for you, adding on to what Caleb just said. Mike Maddox's best job as pitching coach? Got to be. And now, and now as we move forward here, and tomorrow we have Jack Flaherty coming back. And, and maybe Dakota, I haven't announced yet. Potentially Dakota Hudson. That's going to bring up some really interesting decisions when it does come to the postseason and the postseason roster. I mean, you know, if Jack Flaherty is able to stretch out in two starts and be, you know, capable of throwing five or six innings by the playoffs, you know, he's got to replace somebody, right? Absolutely, he does. I would assume. Absolutely, since you don't have to worry about that until the wild card game, my assumption would be. Till you win that, you don't have to worry about the starters because they don't matter. I would assume Wayno's going to get game one because I think we'll have that locked up sure. before the last game. And I th- and I would assume Jack is ready to go to come into that game at any point. Yeah, I think all hands on deck for that to game. Come right. In right. If he looks like Jack. Yeah. Because you can't lose a wild card game without using right. your best player, your best pitcher. Uh, TJ, TJ McFarlane, Luis Garcia. Luis Garcia, one of your favorite people that you get yeah. to work with every day. Um, that's awesome to hear how what a cool dude he is. He's awesome. Um, it, it, these guys like Maddox just and and the 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 praise that Lester and Hap two veteran I mean Lester borderline Hall of Famer I don't know that he gets him. I think he should borderline Hall of Famer Jay Hap just a solid pitcher throughout his career and to hear those two guys not just give praise to Maddox but Wayno and Yadi I I mean I, it's again I'm out of adjectives. Yeah, I it's it's been amazing and just. Watching those guys compete and and really turn things around has been incredible. The, uh, and, yeah, Mike Maddox, I think, deserves credit. I think Lester and Hap both um, gave Maddox a lot of credit for turning their season around once they got here, uh, Maddox and Yachty both. Yeah, and Garcia and McFar- I mean, it's unbelievable. And, and jokingly, I did say – I mean, I wasn't joking. But I was sort of being true with all the injuries, with all the problems we had – Wayno being as great as he is. Like Mike Schilt, I have been very critical. And that's what happens when you're a baseball fan. You are critical of the manager when you lose. When they win, they don't get enough praise. I know the old thing is you get too much when you It's not true. He always says it's not true. the players get credit right. for winning. I get the, that's, and I, that is I, such I a true, such a valid point. And, but if it weren't for Gabe Kapler, Mike Schilt would be in the – I mean, he's going to get votes. He'll be in the top three. He's going to get votes. And Kapler's going to win it, which he should. He should. What he's done in San Francisco yep. all year long, amazing. But – uh, one one stat that I thought was really cool is with the win today, Cardinals were the sixth team in history to have twelve wins in a row in September. Uh, first one since '99. That like I don't remember who it was on on YouTube. I don't love those announcers, but that's okay. Whatever they they're doing their job. And he he said like to do it to get twelve wins in a row one is tough, but to do it in September is really. And difficult. I think you can add another layer to that because if you go in September and you play the Pirates, and you play the Tigers, and these teams aren't competing for anything. Yeah, you can write off 12 wins, and that would still be really impressive to do because it's hard to be major league talent. But 
they did it against two games against the I mean against the Reds, against the Mets, against the Padres, and now against the Brewers. And to sweep the Brewers in a four game set at home, that's like you'd be shocked if the Dodgers did that. You also split with the Dodgers. And I know we didn't yeah. get Bueller and we didn't get Kershaw. I understand that. And Urias, I understand that. But you still split with them. Split and, with the best team in Right. That, that's impressive. Um, just a couple more things on the Cardinals. I, I just want to hit – Caleb brought it up earlier. Mike, I want to get your take on this. As, as, a, as a coach, as a baseball coach, but also as a, a former player, um, as just a fan, these umpires, dude, this strike zone. One thing that drives me crazy – and I try, I try not to engage on Twitter or, or whatever. And I try to just like, hey, look at it this way. The, the dumbest phrase in baseball to me is always been, it's too close to take. Mm-hmm. All right? It's either a strike or it's not. And these players know the strike zone better than anybody. They see how many pitches a year. But how do the umpires – like, if your job – and you're, they're paid very well. And I know it's a hard – I hate the you're process. You're perfect. Right, you're not. But some of these calls are not even close, and I don't. I just can't. I can't wrap my head around it at this point. It's brutal. I mean, and it's it, you see it every single day in all these important games, having umpires that really just alter the outcome of the game with their strike zone. But while we're on that subject, I mean, kudos to Tyler O'Neill the other night. Mm-hmm. Gets called gets called out twice on pitches that were a foot outside. Yep. Um, manage it. I mean, he did say something to the umpire both times, but he kept it cool enough to stay in the game and then later ends up hitting a three-run homer to break the game open. So, you know, that was an amazing performance and composure by Tyler O'Neill. I have two absolutely. thoughts on that. Yeah, sure. One is um, Tyler O'Neill is getting absolutely screwed because he, he has worked so hard on his play discipline and is not striking out. And I think there's been at least, seven, and this isn't even an exaggeration, six or seven in the last week. Oh, it seems like where it. he's been struck out. Well, like Mike said, there were two yesterday. Two within the night. Today, or two days ago. Today, yeah. where they weren't strikes, and he's getting struck out on them. Like, what do you want the poor guy to do? That, but also, how poetic was that? That with the video services of Manny and Tatis yelling at each other because Fernando was about to get ejected from the game. Uh-huh. Tyler kept his composure, same game. Yep. He goes out there and does the thing because he's still in the game. And Tatis, once again, I love Tatis, but he's too young to understand it. And Tyler goes out there and does that, and it's like, and Manny just has to be like, I told that's why. That, yes. that moment right there is why you cannot get yourself ejected. He didn't, but he got the manager ejected. So that, that I mean, that's exactly why. Shilty, I was thinking maybe she'll get ejected, but I am I always like it more when everyone you have in your organization is in the dugout. They all are there, because that's the strongest your team can be. So, I mean, that was, I think that was poetic, honestly. Well, Shilt's been ejected. Shilt has done his job, I think, a few yeah, times where he, he needed to get ejected. But that was not a, that, that was I not agree. I agree, and a lot of people were obviously yelling, but it, it like it is. And Mike brought Mike said this, not they completely change the game, and, and 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 you can take it beyond that, right? You can take it beyond changing the game. You could change it to a prospect who gets called up. These guys are, are widening the zone. That's not a strike. Mm-hmm. You could change the prospect between or the 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 alter the landscape of a guy being in the bigs next year and out of baseball or, more, or a pitcher. Yeah. In the in bigs or out of baseball, and I again, I hate the preface. Oh, it's a tough job. It is a tough freaking job. So I understand baseball. that a lot of things are hard, but you should know when you're behind the plate, that strike zone doesn't move mm-hmm. ever, no. and it's really simple. It does go up and down. I, I get, I get, I get that. But you know what I'm saying? It's not a floating zone. And these calls are changing. And also, some of these calls, as a former player, what do you expect them to do with that? The 99, best, the 99 six inches, four inches off the plate. 
And I know the Greg Maddox and whatever. He was throwing 88 miles per hour. These are slide pieces that are moving 14 inches. Yeah. What, I, it, it blows me away. And, and I have always been a guy who's always battled with umpires my entire life right. from playing all the way through coaching because I expect them to be as good at their job as I expect my players to be at their job. Yeah, and again, I mean, since the dawn of time, everybody just wants consistency. I mean, even yes. if your zone is a little wide or a little high, as long as you can go into a game and say, okay, you know, this pitch that you just called a strike in the first inning is going to be a strike in the fifth inning and the seventh inning and the ninth inning, you can generally live with it within reason. And while but I do I agree mean, with that to an extent, no. <laughs> just no, well, because these guys throw 99 miles per hour. They have 17 inches both ways. Yeah, I, That's no, I a get a lot of plate for them to cover as a hitter. And to say, oh, well, you know what? I want my strike zone to be 19 inches today. Fuck you. No, you get <laughs> yeah, 17. That's what I get we call umpires. Yeah, I get the sentiment. But, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, like you guys both said, they're not perfect and they're not going to be perfect. So the best you can really hope for is just consistent and you know, even if it's not exactly perfect and it's not exactly 17 inches, if, you know, big league hitters can adjust to an inch off the plate, it, you know, if they know it's going to be there all day. And I when, think- when they when they show that, that track or that box, and it's it's right on the, the edge of the line, I get that. It's yeah. when it is, like you said, my six inches off the plate. That can't right. be. And, and these catchers, the other thing is, how are umpires – how are you so dumb that you're falling for the guy catching it at his left shoulder and moving it to the middle of his chest? Yeah. How right? You, Framing I, is an art. I, I get it, but, yeah, but they're, they're really sticky. They're sticky. But, also, but there's guys who are catching it and move, like you weren't watching today. So you, you're right. I was not. No, today. I'm so what I'm saying is yeah. it was awful today. Yeah, it was so bad. Rowdy that. and Wayno had That's, a discussion I didn't hear with that. Empire. Yeah, like it is, and I understand that the problem I have is it doesn't seem like they're trying to be perfect. I get they can't be. But fucking try to be. Right. Try your hardest to be. And guess what? If there's multiple guys arguing with you on the same call, it, you're not right. So stop calling it. And the umpire's argument will be, we're right 98% of the time. What do you want from us? Well, we want 100%. Like, here's the thing. It's kind of funny. You go into Walmart or Target, right? And there's one person working. And they're like the slowest person ever. All they're doing is just making it to the fact where we're going to have self-checkout every time I go into Target. I feel like the umpires are doing that for the robot umpires. As bad as they are, and some of the grades, if you follow on Twitter, there's a great follow about the, the umpire grades. They yeah. grade out every umpire immediately after every game. It's awesome. Yeah. And, and you can really start to – Yeah, well, yeah, I guess you're right. It's about a day. But it's a really great follow, and it's, it's interesting for me to see. You, you really see patterns. Angel Hernandez must have had a really bad night last night. I saw a lot of people on Twitter. I don't remember what game it was, but he must have had a he really bad out. night. He's Red Sox game. He minute. had a game where he graded out at 92%. Yeah. That can't happen. But that's say you see you'll probably see two hundred and fifty to three hundred pitches. Let's just say it's two hundred and fifty. That is missing twenty five calls. <laughs> it's bad and I and, I think thirty five calls are G three fifty. I said two fifty. Oh I'm sorry, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Twenty five calls you missed? How right if if I miss twenty five things as an accountant, I'm going to jail. <laughs> sure. For yep. well, or something. Right. Like it, you it's can't got, do something that. has to happen and you know, and I just feel like also and look, I am a teacher. Teachers are very strong in the union. I understand that. Okay. And I'm not, I am not a member of the union and I'm not anti-union. I'm just simply saying, I do feel like the umpires are very much protected by the umpire unions. And that is a problem in baseball. And I'm interested to see if the collective bargaining does anything about the umpires. It might not. I don't understand how all of that works. 
I don't understand how you get moved up you, because nobody ever gets sent down, it feels like. Um, I'm just intrigued to see the future if it does go. I'm not even saying I'm for robot umpires. I am. I get it. I get it. I just want to see, and, and I agree with Mike on the consistency thing, especially if you're giving an inch. An inch is different. Yeah. Three yeah. to four inches is unhittable. It still sucks. I know. And that's the thing. Way. These guys, the, these major leaguers, I mean, they, the, the, the old story of Tony Gwynn, like people shooting tennis balls at him at 120 miles per hour with a Sharpie on it, and he could tell you the number. Yeah. These guys, their eyes are unbelievable. They know the zone. They know, perfectly, they know the zone. Yeah. So when it's out of the zone and they argue, they're right every time. Not every time. Most um, almost every time. And right. it does drive you a little bit crazy as a fan. Yeah. And it has a play. I can't and imagine. To be fair, we are seeing the box. Like, yes, I understand that. But as a player, the biggest thing you can have in baseball is confidence. And if you go up there and you look at the scoreboard and it says "0 for two, two Ks," when you they weren't when they weren't right, they maybe should have walked. That's what. And it circles back. Then it goes to the third at bat. It carries over. Right. It does. And it circles people's games, weeks, maybe career. Not okay. That's a little exaggerated. But I mean, it can. It can. Agreed. It can get some strikeouts. Lars got struck out on two strikes twice. Strike two, yeah. two times in one game. You got and like I out. said, it circles back to the old adage of if it's close, you should be swinging. That works when you're 10, 12, 14, 15 years old. Yes. When you're in the major leagues, that's not a thing. No, they're throwing 100. It's not a thing. If you take that pitch, the thing we were talking about the other day, we were watching the games. I was like, that sucks so bad. It happened to Sosa, I think it was. And I was like, because he just did his job and got punished for it. Right. He did exactly what he should do on a really good pitch that he laid off of that the pitcher wants him to swing at. And he's going to get punched out for it because he did his job better than you know how to do your job. Right. That's ridiculous yeah. to me. And, Mike, I don't know how you feel. Like, when I played high school baseball and into college, I was not as smart. I wasn't, like, I know so much more about baseball now than I ever did when I was playing. So, if I didn't understand the difference between uh, a 1-1 one, one pitch going my way or going against me. I might not have liked it, but I was going to go up there and hit. But that is a massive difference at this level, 2-1 versus 1-2. and two. Oh, for sure, and yeah, I mean, you can just look at the look at the batting averages or even balls in play uh, percentage-wise on one and two counts versus two one counts. So, yeah, it, it does. And you know, I just want to talk about the box for a minute. I mean, like you said, we we have the benefit of the box. We're watching the game, and the box is on TV, and it's the, the exact strike zone. It's a double-edged sword. I mean, it's great for fans. You get to see it, and you know, you can you know, you can counteract a catcher framing and everything else by the box, you know, where a ball crosses the box as if it's a strike or not. But on the flip side, you know, how long have the umpires been this bad? I mean, they've probably been this bad since we were kids and, and beyond. We just didn't have the proof, you know, the the capability of the box to tell us that that was a ball, you know. I mean, so could true. you imagine? And, and, you know, you guys brought up Greg Maddox. I mean, and, yeah, he threw 88, but – the, the pitch that he threw that start you know, to a right-handed batter that started eight inches outside and tailed back to four inches outside and got called a strike every time, that is not hittable. I mean, no. it's not. And, 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 and I'm just saying, if you think about the, the box back then, if, if they had the box when Greg Maddox was painting his masterpieces, I mean, the, you know, it would have made the umpires look really, really bad if they weren't already. But I think that is a I, great point. I, I've never thought about that. I agree, that. and because Greg Max was so good at what he did, yeah, he abused yeah. it every single time. Well, yeah, sure. you would if you're and a pitcher, yeah, yeah. Of course, I don't blame them for it, but that is why, like Degrom, imagine going up there. First off, having to look one hundred two every time outside, and a ninety three slider. 
And then imagine yeah. you'd be like, okay, well, I have to cover four extra inches because this umpire is complete <laughs> garbage. Like, you can't it, – it, they and, need to go – I was never a favorite robot ops because I do love seeing coaches get ejected still. <laughs> and I love seeing players get ejected. It's entertaining. But when it's in a big situation, it's just deflating. Like, how many times have you seen a big situation come up where it's like, what? I mean, I always go back to Armando Galarraga. Thank God there's replay. But the poor guy will be in history forever. Right. And now he still is, but not for a perfect game. For someone right. that doesn't know how to do their job correctly. And Jim Joyce is a great umpire, so whatever. And a great dude. But right. still, yep. like, you go back to that, and it's just like, yeah. you can't trust Cardinals these guys. would have another World Series. There's too much money for these players that they could be losing, too much money for the organization, and the city around them, if they were to get kicked out of the playoffs or something because of this, to let them just be able to impose their will on the game. So I'm not really for I'm not for robot umpires. I don't think I could ever really get behind robot umpires. Um, but for me, the the change that baseball needs to make is you talked about the technology, Mike. They have the technology. They have the grades that they can spit out. You know their consistency or the percentage that they got right in a grade after the game. Major League Baseball needs to hold the umpires accountable. If you can't make a certain grade consistently, then you, then you're fired and they will bring somebody up, you know, from the minors or whatever the case may be and find somebody that can make that grade consistently. That's what also make you wonder if almost they don't even have enough good umpires to do that. Could be. Cause if it's, I understand it's a hard job and it might be a lot harder than we think it is. Cause I'm sure it is, but, but, I, I don't know. There, there can't be a, a plethora of people that they're dying to call up to the big <laughs> leagues or they would do it. Well, if you're above the well, age of 60, I'm going to assume your eyes aren't good enough to keep up with it. So, Angel Hernandez, get the hell out. I, I mean, here's what I'm going to say. I had 20-20 vision until I turned 40. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't, there's 75-year-olds out there calling games. Joe West, <laughs> how is that? Okay. He's, a, he's like, he's like a, I don't know. Like, how is he still able to call right. games? He can't. We've seen it. So, okay, I, so they, they need a whole new high standard. Right. Well, so let's let's take that a step further then, and let's assume that there aren't enough umpires out there that could get called up, and we we can't just fire guys like I'd like to. Maybe, uh, maybe we mix up the uh, umpiring crews, and if you're not above a certain level consistently, you're no longer a home plate umpire, and we rotate the other guys. Absolutely. There's got to be an answer out there. I would like that. I think the problem is. The umpires, it's like a day off. I watched Chris Rose had a cool interview on the Chris Rose rotation with Jim Wolf. And Jim Wolf's like, we, we do the, it's almost like home plate is our job day and the rest of your day's off. <laughs> like first base is hard, but you have replay now. And then home plate is really hard. But third and second, it's like uh, you're standing there hoping to knock a hit with the line drive. <laughs> so I, I don't think anybody would ever go for that. I like the idea and I think it's a good one, but I don't know if that would ever happen. Almost well, just how, like the how be the umpire behind home plate the whole time. Yeah, that's a lot. lot Here's the thing. I'm just worried that they're going to go find some of those GMB tournament umpires if they need to. You know, the weeks. (laughs) Hell no. (laughs) Back in the day. And you're going to be calling those guys up. Don't don't get me started on that. But what about, about, so Caleb, to counteract that, what about home plate umpires get paid more? So you. I think they should just be robots. (laughs) And I I don't like that. And I think, and I don't like, I really don't like that. I don't. But here's the problem. I don't think that they're ever going to get better, ever. They may not. But what happens if the what happens if the robot blows a call though? 
Then what do you do? Well, then you do. Well, I don't know how that could happen when I can see two seconds after it happens. Well, here's how it can happen. They have said in the minor leagues that have used right. Didn't one of the leagues? One of the leagues used it. Yeah, the Pacific. That it was hard for them to read the curveball. Yeah. Right. So they were calling it not where it crossed, but where it landed. Figure it out. That's too right. I agree. I can put on a headset and act like I'm in the NBA stadium. Yeah, they they can figure. I think it's going to be an interesting thing to see what Major League Baseball does going forward. And it's it's one of those things again. You, we see everybody at their worst moment mm-hmm. with umpires, and I am fully aware of that. But I just believe you're costing people games. You're costing people um, money. You could be costing people careers. And, Millions of And dollars. honestly, this is sort of – I might be taking this too far, but I don't think that I am. It's also dangerous. And here's what I mean by that. Tyler O'Neill starts to see that the pitch four inches outside is being called. What does he start doing? Closing off. He starts leaning in. To reach that outside pitch, next thing you know, you got 98 at the dome. Mm-hmm. And that's a scare. I mean, I'm not saying guys don't lean over the plate anyway. So, what I did take it probably too far there. But that is something to think about because, hey, they're calling that ball outside. I'm going to start cheating outside. Then what happens? You get somebody Especially like when I you're said, talking about him, who's coming short, inside. Who's a short king like myself, <laughs> where he's like five foot eight, five foot nine. He has to do that. But, um, yeah, they just, they're changing the game too much. And it, it does bother me. And I don't know if it bothers Manfred. I don't know what goes on in that man's head. Ever. Right, right. I mean, but he's got a tough job. It is but a hard thing to do. It is. But I'd like to see some sort of, at least accountability until they find a solution. Especially with what they are paid. And I'm not saying they don't deserve it because I want everybody to make as much money as they can. And they do deserve it. But they it's, work it's a lot right, of agreed, agreed. And you don't get to go in. You don't have you don't a, see your family a happening off. I get all that. But I just would like to see some improvement. Let me hit a couple more baseball things here with you guys because I think these are fun things to talk about. The I give Caleb, I get on Caleb quite a bit about just joking things and whatever. The one guy he has been on ever since he's been in the league is Juan Soto, about how he's maybe the greatest player in the league. We all talk Harper, we talk Trout, we talk Acuna, we talk obviously Otani and Vladdy and, and Tatis. In the month of September, today is the 22nd, 22nd. 23rd? 23rd. 23rd. He has reached base 57 times mm-hmm. in this month. His slugging is over 600. They, based on base, sorry. They, they, I, I did catch a little bit of MLB Central, like the comparisons with Ted Williams. Lofty comparison. Mike, do you think, and, and Caleb and I talked about this, so I'm going to let Caleb weigh in after you do. Do you think Soto can hit 400? I think it's possible at some point. I mean, look, he's doing all this at age 22. I mean, right. he's, still, he's still got a lot of growing to do, and, you know, he's going to mature and, and, you know, grow as a hitter like all hitters do. And, I mean, when you get to his peak at age, you know, 25, 26, 27, sure, I think anything's possible. I mean, that guy's got a 468 on-base percentage for the year. It's ridiculous. He's, he's, I mean, he's, that's he's, unbelievable. he's incredible to me. I mean, I mean, he does everything so well. I send you all of his you um, do. peripherals. Yeah. And they are all matching what he's doing. There is no luck involved with Juan Soto. In fact, no, there's, you're right. there's a lot of really unlucky, unlucky things. Yeah, he could because be Because the dude right. could definitely be – in the MVP conversation leading it right now. You take away the shift, and and who knows? The thing that's so incredible, I don't think he needs to mature at all. Well, I mean, what my, I know, I yeah, know, I understand. You know that's why, that's why I think he could be so good. Right. Is because I don't know what maturing for him looks like because <laughs> that's so freaking scary. Yeah. The dude is so good. I don't know if he'll ever bat 400 because that's. I love that. I, I because hope that, so. Because that's something no one's done since Ted Williams. Or, yeah, George Brett got close. But he never yeah, Ted it. Williams, let's go. Um, and, and the pitching is incredible nowadays. But. Also, imagine what that dude would do with the robo arms. But anyway, I just – but I think if anyone ever has a chance, it's him. It's him that has a chance to do it. And I and I do want to clear up a little bit. I, he's not better than Mike Trout. I didn't say that. 
No, but he is the best hitter in all of baseball. I didn't mean that in a negative way. I know. I believe that he is the best hitter in baseball. Right. And I don't even think it's close. No one's even close to the dude. The things he does, it's it's honestly, like, incredible. He could have played on my Legion team, like, two, three years ago. He was eligible with his age (laughs) to play on my Legion team, and he was in the Rookie of the Year conversation. Right. Mike, he was a lot of young Tony Gwynn. Yeah. With more power. With a lot of power. Yeah. Yeah. With a lot of power. He's like Ted Williams. Like, honestly, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's right. That's what I've heard a lot, uh, and that is so lost. When you start comparing people to Ted yeah, Williams. Yeah, but he's earned that right. I get it. I get it. I get it. It's, I think he is underappreciated in baseball because we do hear all these other names. And, and shout out to those guys. They're awesome. Base, I, I'll say it again. I've said it all year long. Baseball's in a great spot right now. Awesome. And I think it's only going to get better as long as we get through this collective bargaining, which I think we will. Yeah, um, they will. But, but Juan Soto, and he won a World Series, but it just feels like, He's an underappreciated guy, and, and Trout was that way forever because he was in L.A. and no, you know nobody in east of he was in the Arizona was watching Mike Trout most often, except for diehard baseball fans. I feel Soto's that way. Nobody west of also, Kentucky is also watching Max Scherzer, Juan Trey Soto. Turner being gone, Anthony Rendon being yeah. gone. It's kind of him on his own island over there with my boy Lane Thomas is betting leadoff. He is I'm going crazy. He right is. Now. He but, is. Yeah, I mean, good for him. He, by the way, oh, yeah, I'm glad. I, I love him. Me too. Me too. But um, I love Juan Soto. I think he's gonna. I I I don't say this about many people, but at this point in time, and um, barring injuries, knock on wood, the dude's gonna be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, absolutely. Like he's a Hall. He's on his way. Absolutely. He's Hall of Fame level talent to the highest extent. Yeah. It's fun to watch. So those of you out there not paying a lot of attention, want Soto go pay attention. Yes, too. Mike, one more thing that Cam and I do not agree on this, so I can't wait to get your take. All right. Last night, two two nights ago, Kevin Kiermaier slides into first into home. Catcher loses the card, which, first of all, don't even get me going on the cards. We'll just leave that for later. He, he picks it up, walks into his dugout, claims that he didn't know. Who cares what he, he claims? He who, ca- who cares what he claims? He then he gets hit last night by Tampa Bay. Where do you stand on this? First of all, I will tell you. He got you, hit by Toronto. By Toronto. Sorry, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Um, where do you stand on this? Well, um, I think baseball in general has always had a way of policing itself. So, um, and I I understand that there are a lot of people that don't like retaliation and don't like people getting hit by pitches and and things like that, which I get, I mean, it hurts. We've all been there. Right. Um, but, but, um, it's 95, (laughs) but yeah, right. But it still hurts. It still hurts at 72, you know, Um, but I, I didn't, I didn't find it to be as huge of a deal, uh, him grabbing the card. Uh, but I don't, I don't really understand why he would hang on to it. And you know what I'm saying? Well, like, it had everything on it. That's what they said is that it had everything well, yeah, I get that. I'm just saying, I, I, I get that, but I'm, I'm just saying for me, you know, it's not yours. Obviously, you know that that card wasn't yours that fell out of his pocket. You know, I, I would have just handed it back to the guy. So, for me, I don't I don't necessarily have a problem with the retaliation. I mean, what if it was a hundred dollar bill that fell out of his pocket? Well, then then would have picked it up. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You and Caleb are stand up gentlemen. Why? That's what I will say. Because no, this. I, hold on. Okay. Let me finish. Okay. Okay. This was about. your response as well. Here is my response, and it's the same as Jeff Passon's response. 
response. Finders keepers, losers hit people with 93. Okay, I've got okay, Hold on. I'm, okay. Let me finish. All right. Here's what you just relax over there. Listen. First of all, the cards, why do you need every bit of information for your team on an index card? Okay, let's start there. That shouldn't be a thing. Because no, I'll stop. That shouldn't, that shouldn't, again. Then, then you know what? The catcher just, shouldn't drop. Not all Here's the thing. People steal signs from second base all the time. Mm-hmm. I did it. Yeah. Right? Because the high school signs were not hard to pick up. They were not. Okay? It didn't mean I needed to get hit the next time I came up. First of all, we have heard the stories of guys leaving their playbooks in football, in restaurants, or in bars, or in showers of the visiting team. They're not just going to pack those up, send them FedEx back to whomever. That's such a dumb comparison. No, it's not. It's one totally a, not. One is a play that made the – I have some thoughts on this. Can I, can I say my <laughs> you, thoughts? You have 10 seconds. Okay, well, I'm going to need it. <laughs> anyway, so I have multiple thoughts on this. Okay. My first thought is I don't like you hitting anybody right now. You throw too hard, and Lord knows people get hit enough, so you can't control it well enough to hit somebody. But if you're going to do it, do it in the back. So that's fine. Props on him for hitting on the back. Poor Ryan Baruki because he definitely did not want to do that. Because the dude's not right, good. Right. But so there's that. But also, if I'm the pitcher, I'm fucking hitting him. First at bat, though, don't be a pussy like they were and hit him in the seventh. Do it up front when it matters. Hit him, get the message over with, and be done. There's that. That's another thing. I don't like when they hit him. But, and I would have also stolen the card. I'll put that out there, too, because I was dirty when I played. But I don't like, I don't have any issue with them hitting him. If you're ever going to hit someone, I, you would have hit him, too. I hit a guy for kicking dirt on me, Dad. <laughs> Like, if you're stealing my shit, I'm hitting you in the back. If, especially if I throw 93, because you're going to feel it, and you're not going to do it again. To be fair, you were throwing right around Mike's 72. I know, and I hit him. And I <laughs> right. hit him because he kicked on me. He did. So you bet, you're better, you, I mean, you bet your ass if someone steals something from you, they're getting drilled okay. in the back. Okay, fair. So Mike fair. who was in a play, it's not like Alejandro Kirk was stupid and dropped it out of his hand. He was in a play, and it fell out of his pocket. Don't, and he was dumb about it, too. He got up. Grabbed it, stared around, and walked off, and then tried hey, to say he didn't know what was happening. Would have done this. But another thing. problem I have, a huge problem yeah. I have with it, the biggest problem. They shouldn't have hit Kevin Kiermeyer because Charlie Montoyo, who worked with the race for a long time, the manager of the Blue Jays, told Kevin Cash they were good. He said, We're good. That's it. Water under the bridge. He said, he Actually, quote, I'll go under the bridge, is what he said. <laughs> then don't go out there and hit him. Agreed. Either, either, don't, either tell him you're not okay with it and say you're going to hit him because we all knew you did it on purpose. Or don't – and maybe Baruki took it on himself, the 24-year-old who has a 70 RA. I doubt it. <laughs> but I, I don't love hitting people in baseball anymore. You throw too hard. It gets too dangerous. It can kill somebody at this point. But if you're going to do it, at least you did it in the right way. And if I were him, I don't like it outside looking in. But if I were him, I would have drilled him in the first inning. Okay, very fair. Uh, very. I, and I don't have a pro- – I don't – I've never had a problem with guys hitting guys, like you said. Stay away from the head. You, you know, you want to put a, put a ball on a guy's – butt cheek or back for, you know, retaliation for whatever shenanigans it is. That's fine. I mean, and, and, you know, don't, don't paint me as, as the, the saint here, Mike. I mean, I, I stole signs. I got, you know, I got pissed when I played and I think that's just a little different situation. I mean, when I was in little league, um, I, I had a ground ball to the first baseman and I sprinted down the line and the first baseman stood there, uh, like three times my size he stood next to the base while i ran down the line and then as soon as i got my foot up in the air to get to the base he stepped on the base and then shoulder rolled me off the field um and i was pitching that day and um i i plunked him and then he came up again later and i plunked him again and 
the next time we played him and I pitched, I plunked him every time he came up. And if I had to pitch against him today, I would drill him with the first pitch again. That's just how it is. The only problem I have with hitting people, and it's been it's an archaic thing. It's kind of barbaric, honestly, at this point, to hurt somebody for doing something you don't like, especially if it's someone hitting a homer off you, like Hunter Strickland's weak ass. But I don't like it because how many pitches do they throw exactly where they want? They're not all great Maddox, like you said. That's why he was so great. Not many. It's not a very it's a very small margin of error between hitting someone between the numbers and hitting them in the neck and hitting Stanton, and we saw that affected him for multiple years. I don't like the idea that you throw a projectile at me 99 and could kill me because you're pissed off that I took a piece of paper. That being said, I would do it. <laughs> but, I, but as a fan outside looking in who's never thrown 99, so right. I've never known that power, I don't like it because it is such a small margin. It's also so stupid. Like baseball players, Nolan Ryan must act like he was so hard. No, you were soft as shit. People would take you deep and you would throw 100 at them because you got mad. Like that is what makes me I – don't, I don't like that. It could really hurt somebody. It could end someone's career at this point. Their bodies make them money, and we don't understand that because that's not our situation at all. But if you hit – how many times have we seen Tyler O'Neill get hurt on a hit by pitch this year? If you hit someone with 98 in their wrist, they could be out for the year. Like, it is it, – they stay, that needs to stop almost at this point. I, I would like to say it now really explains a lot of why when we played wiffle ball, Mike used to always drill me in the calves. <laughs> so that explains a lot. And I did – I never rolled me. Like, like, yeah, yeah I dig in and they, oh, oh, it didn't break the way I wanted it to. Yeah, the slider got away from me. Yeah, oh, it slipped. <laughs> That's what I always heard. And I believed yeah. that until this story just yeah. came up. And I would yeah. go home with like 48 welts on my calves because, oh, the ball slipped 48 times. Now I know <laughs> I was getting hit every damn time I went in the box. <laughs> this makes Stop so much me. sense. Stop all, taking I me. I appreciate pettiness. I do. I do appreciate people being petty about things. There are there are still people that names that I hear from playing sports that it still gives me the shivers of things. So I get it, um, and I love that you just drilled that guy. I hope you. Do you ever see this guy? No, I don't. Um, I, I don't. But I remember, you know, I, I remember, I remember it being. It, it became such a thing, you know, that everybody knew it was coming. He knew it was coming. But again, I mentioned he was three times my size, so I was I was probably not the smartest guy in the world to continue doing that. But I remember one of the last games that we played against each other, um, I called the the field umpire over and I said, "Hey, look, um, I'm drilling this guy uh, with the first pitch, and I'm, I'm going to hit him every time he comes up. But he if he comes after me, I need some help." <laughs> The umpire was like, that's cool, man. I, I got your back. So I, I had a little extra confidence when I did it. I love it. That's fantastic. That's, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, it, it's, it, it's an interesting thing. Again, I would have taken the card. Absolutely, I would have taken the card. 100%. So I just think I, it's everybody wants a, a leg up. Everybody wants as much advantage as they can get. And if the other team is going to hand it to you, I think most people will take it. Um, it was, it's, it's, it's a baseball will always give you something over 162. A lot of things to talk about the, Hey, I have never seen before. That was one thing I had. And never it's not seen a black before. and white thing. Cause you don't know what you would do if you're Pierre Meyer. I do. Well, no, what I'm saying is, and you don't know what you would do if you were the pitcher. It's not black and white to me because while I don't agree with a lot of things that happened, if I was playing, I would have acted the same way. In right. I get situation. it. I get it. I think that's an so, honest answer. So that's, it's different from being a fan and being removed and not being in the heat of competition in the first place. And never, ever in my life being to that level of competition right. when both of them are in a pennant race. 
So I don't know what I would have done. I and, say I do, but I wouldn't know exactly what both right. of them did. There was no answer, no doubt that as a, as an athlete, basketball, baseball, whatever I was playing, I was petty as hell. Yeah. No doubt about you it. Have to have so, an yeah, I think so. And I appreciate that for, for a few reasons. All right. Let's shift gears from baseball into football. I just want to hit a couple points on football. First of all, you going to Tennessee this weekend? I will be there. Oh, what a comeback win they had the other night. Derrick Henry, fantastic. He's back. Uh, their defense might can't stop anybody. They can't. It's a uh, it's a shame, but they did find a way to get a couple stops in the second half. I, I'm sure Seattle helped them out with that uh, with their game planning. But um, it's this the way it's going to be this year. It looks like <laughs> I don't see a whole lot of help on the way. So they're going to have to win a lot of games, 35 to 32. Derek Henry better have those legs eyes. Also, to be to be honest, like they're also in a division where they get Jacksonville twice in Houston. Although Houston, I know. I know Houston is playing better. I Houston's get it. Trash. But let's right. And Indy doesn't look really good either, if we're going to be honest. Oh, yeah, Carson, what's so I think, I think this is obviously Tennessee's uh, thing to take. So have fun down there. Enjoy it. I will say, uh, looking through college football this weekend, and we're going to get to your picks here in just a minute, um, not a ton of, of massive games. But the one that I think that we all really, really screwed up on is this. We should be on a train, the three of us, tomorrow morning. Heading to Chicago to Wrigley for the doubleheader Saturday at Soldier Field, Wisconsin, Notre Dame. Get Mike back in time to go to Tennessee. What a weekend. It's a lot of driving I mean, for Mike. Is it is it is it too late to go ahead and book that? I don't know. I'm telling you we screwed this up. No, it wouldn't be any good. We'd take the train to Chicago. I have to I mean I have some PTO to burn, so don't tempt me. <laughs> I have no problem. I've been on a whole lot of days. I can use. If we're going to be honest, that would have been an awesome trip. Um, college football this weekend, like I said, you got that game. I think Arkansas gets Texas A&M, which will be a really intriguing game, guys. I, I'm not. I'm not going to get into all this fandom as, as everything else. I am highly on the Ole Miss train and Lane Kiffin. I they might not be able to stop anybody either, but they can score fifty points on everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're touching on a lot of the a lot of the games that I'm going to be talking about here in a little bit. But you're right. The and here's one thing I want you guys to both look at. Okay, so next week, Ole Miss gets Alabama. Yep, that's going to be a good game. All right, it's going to be a great game. Um, it'll be a lot of fun to watch. I mean, I don't know how competitive it's going to be, but it's definitely going to be fun to watch. So, I, I want to throw this out at you right now. For the the last five times that these two teams have played. The lowest number of points that Alabama has scored in that game is 59. <laughs> that's, the that, that's the lowest. So what I'm going to tell you right now is on Sunday night, they're going to post the line for that game, okay, and you're going to have the opportunity to bet on it. That total is going to be probably – if you can get that total – on Sunday night in the seventies, you should take the take the over right away. I'm on it. It's going to get bet up, and by the time that game kicks off on Saturday, a week from Saturday, that that over under is going to be in the low eighties. I bet. Oh, all right, I'm on it. I'm on it. I will say this, and we're not going to. You had said, "Hey, feel free to bury you." I'm not going to do that. <laughs> all right, I'm not. We are. You're always, you're always welcome football. to. We are struggling in the college football world a little bit. <laughs> yes, Here's we are. What I will say, my week was saved by my wife and I going to see our daughter at Eastern. And 
I was sitting on the shitter with my FanDuel account open, <laughs> and I did see that the Louisville UCF game over was 68 and a half. And I did put a, quite a good chunk of money on that and brought that baby home, which saved my week. That's huge. Yeah. There's, nothing, there's nothing better than the, the big bet to save the weekend. Uh, yeah. When you're down, you it's the it best. Your Hank Strader moment. It was. It was like I saw the WW <laughs> in, the, in the thing next to me, and it all clicked. UCF Louisville can't stop anybody. I know who the winner is, at least the over. Yep. That's the, that's the joy of, uh, of college football. And there, there's a million games to bet on, and um, sometimes you can catch lightning in a bottle like that. So not to, not to keep bearing on here, right? We're not shoveling in. But as we stand, we're two and eight right now in college football. It's not good. I have the utmost faith in you that this is a five and zero week that turns it around. We like the Mendoza line. Yeah, yeah, that's not good. Uh, it's not great. Um, but uh, yeah, we're going to turn it around. That's what we're here to do. We're here to make some money, and uh, I'm I'm smelling a big winning week this week. I love it. I lo- and also to be fair to you, there were some really weird things that happened in those games. Yeah, we. We, we caught a couple bad breaks again, um, you know, but it is what it is. We got off to a decent start with the, the Michigan State game, and then it went all downhill from there. There's also the risk you run when you're betting on 18-, 19-year-old kids playing football. <laughs> it really is. It really is. But, it, but like I said, UCF Louisville. <laughs> all right, let's, leave it, let's get into this. Let's get into this. Um, for the college week, what do you got for us? All right, so we're going to start early. We're going to start on the on a Friday night game with my beloved Syracuse team. Uh, they're playing at home against Liberty, and uh, Hugh Freeze's team on the road is laying six, and we're going to go with Liberty minus six at Syracuse. Um, Syracuse uh, handled Albany last week, but against teams that are any good, I don't think Syracuse matches up, and Liberty has a, a very, very dynamic dual threat quarterback um and he's he's worth the price of admission uh, and uh his name's Malik Will and he's he can he can run it he can throw it had four touchdown passes last week uh, so we're going to roll with Liberty minus 6 all right series. so that starts us out on Friday night so you get a little action on Love under it. the Friday night lights is that like a and then cuz if they cover you're happy that Syracuse was in the game um Maybe a little emotional risk, man. <laughs> um, but no, I, I really, I really, so I, I really, you know, I like Syracuse. I really do. But I love money. <laughs> That's fair. Valid point. Yeah. Valid point. Right. So, um, so you touched on this game a little bit. Um, Soldier Field, Saturday morning at 11. You got 3-0 Notre Dame, one-on-one Wisconsin. A little bit of a revenge game here. Um, Notre Dame started quarterback Jack Cohn transferred from Wisconsin. Um, and I am, I'm having a hard time understanding this line. Uh, Wisconsin is favored by six in this game. I, I just don't see it. I think Notre Dame's the better team. Um, and actually, it's the line's all actually up to six and a half now. Um, I think Notre Dame's the better team. Um, I think their defense plays right into uh, what Wisconsin does well. Their, Notre Dame has a good run defense. Wisconsin likes to run the ball. Wisconsin's starting quarterback, Graham Mertz, I mean, he uh, 
if you remember his debut last year against Illinois when he took over the starting role and he dominated and they had a huge win against Illinois. Ever since that game, he's not been good. And he has zero touchdown passes through their first two games this year. Um, to be fair, I, Illinois does make a lot of people look good. They do. You're right. Right. You're right. Um, yeah. I, that's, but that has shocked me. I did not look at that line yet. That is a shock to me that Notre Dame ranked, what, 12 or 13? I think Wisconsin's 15 or 16 or somewhere. That's, that, that's, that is weird. I'm assuming it's at Wisconsin. It's, it's at Soldier Field. That's what I said. Oh, that's yeah. why it's I was the whole point of going to Chicago. Okay, well, I said that makes no sense. No, that's wild. Seems, that's wild. I, I almost seems like a – do they know something so, you don't? Yeah. <laughs> and maybe, right. It may be a sucker bet, Caleb. I don't know. But <laughs> you, can't, you, can't be, you can't tell me, though. You know, home field advantage is generally worth three points. So you're telling me – that if this game was being played at Notre Dame, that you're going to have Wisconsin favored by three and a half? Right. I mean, or at Wisconsin, they'd be favored by nine? Right. Or even right. six at Wisconsin. Right. Yeah, I don't get it. That's, hey. There's I, no way I see Notre I'm actually going to go place that bet tonight. Yeah, I don't see Notre Dame losing that game by a touchdown. And no. they could easily because it's football, but that's highly unlikely. Yeah, I agree. Right. So, uh, yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a chance that, that that line is as off as I think it is. And we're gonna we're gonna roll with Notre Dame plus six and a half there. All right. Okay. The next game I want to talk about Texas Tech and Texas. Okay. Love it. Uh, this this game last year went into overtime, fifty six all. So the total in this game is sixty one and a half. <laughs> so again. I mean, their offenses are not clicking like they were last year so far this year, but they do both have explosive offenses and their defenses still leave a little to be desired. So I'm just going to roll with over 61 and a half in that game and sit back and watch the points pile up. I love it. Um, as long as my former student who is the starting middle linebacker for Texas Tech, Rashawn Merriweather's not listening right now. <laughs> so, Rashawn. You get all the – in fact, a couple pick sixes would be great. Yeah. So just hope yeah. that the like, passes right. are the Yeah, a couple pick sixes would be great. Um, he was, like, top ten in tackling last year in the in the, uh, in the Big 12. So, shout out to him. Great kid. Awesome to see him doing well. But I love that pick because it's the Big 12, and I think you almost always have to take the over a lot of times in the Big 12. Yeah, like I said, I, I normally like to bet unders, but I tell you, betting unders, especially in college football, is always a sweat. And – you always have the looming overtime that could come up and bite you, even if you're a clear under for most of the game. Yep. Uh, and it's fun to know. root for chaos. It is. It is. It's always fun to root for points. Um, but uh, we also run into some of those games where it's, you know, we go over 63 and it's 10 to 7 at halftime, and we're already pretty sure we're sunk. So. But it is always kind of fun to say, well, if we get four overtimes, we could still make this over work. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, I love it. I love it. All right. What do we got next? All right. So um, another game that you brought up, um, Texas A&M against Arkansas. Uh, this game's at Arkansas. And Texas A&M is a road favorite of five and a half points. Now, I am going to stick with the home team here. And I'm, I think Arkansas has a puncher's chance at winning the game, but at least I think we'll keep it close. Um, Texas A&M is working with their backup quarterback who struggled to move the ball in the second half against New Mexico last week. 
and Arkansas has been on a roll, and they seem to have things figured out. So I'm going to take Arkansas plus five and a half at home against Texas A&M. Pig <laughs> suey. And that what there they you do? go. That is what they do. That, that is, is what, what they, they do. do. I said it like that at all. I'm sorry, but that's <laughs> what they do. So I'm on the train. I don't like Arkansas very much. They're pretty good. Though. I want to go to a game there because it looks like fun to call them in oh, with the Woo Pig Suey. Yeah, Absolutely. Just do what you just did. From do that times. again. I'll be doing it Sunday or Saturday night. All right. All right. Um, and then uh, the next game on my slate here. Uh, well, I guess it would be the last game on my slate for college football. We've got Southern Miss at Alabama. So this is a punching bag, bloodbath. Um, Alabama, obviously, number one in the country, 3-0 and against Southern Miss, who is not good. Um, no really other way to put it. Uh, coming off a loss to Troy, 21-9. Um, to And um, they also lost to South Alabama, 31-7 to in week one. So I'm thinking this is a mismatch, and I'm instead of uh, having to root for a backdoor possibility at the end of the game, I'm just going to take the first half, and I'm going to take Alabama minus 28 in the first half. And oh I think my this, goodness! I think I think there's a possibility that they are covering the spread by the end of the first quarter. Do you ever <laughs> wonder how Southern Mississippi just like prepares for this game? <laughs> Like, do they even practice? Why would you, why would you practice? I wouldn't show up. I just want yeah. to take this. Uh, so, minus 28 first half. Minus 28 in the first half. The game line is 45. Um, but I, I'm, you know, Alabama has a tendency when they're playing these blood donors to really let off the gas in the second half yep. and start grinding the clock. So, I don't want to end up in a spot where it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, 47 to 7 or, you know, and, and they just say, okay, we're just going to run out the clock now, and and we, you know, get beat. Yeah, where they so, only beat by forty. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. When we need forty six, so we're gonna we're just gonna say first half while they're still trying. We're gonna we're gonna take the minus twenty eight. All right. All right. I love it. So so just to recap, we got Liberty minus six at Syracuse. We got yes. Notre Dame in Chicago plus six, which I still that blows my mind. I love the over on Texas Tech and Texas. Uh, two teams who, like you said, don't no, – no offense, Krishan, but don't really <laughs> stop everybody. Uh, Arkansas <laughs> plus five and a half against Texas A&M. And then we got Alabama minus 28 in the first half. That's right. I mean, that feels like – that feels like we could be in at Wrigley tomorrow and then Notre Dame on Saturday. I'm loving it. Feels like we could make all that money, that, whatever we spend on the trip right there. I have 38 cents in my FanDuel account. <laughs> yeah, I'm all right. I'm doing okay. I'm doing, I'm, thank you, Louisville UCF. All right, Mike, what are we on the NFL? So, first of all, one thing I do want to say about the NFL before you get to this, I don't know if you guys, I recorded it and I've only listened to half of it. I don't know who does regular Monday Night Football anymore. I don't. Like, I grew up watching the guys, Deerdorf, all those guys, Al Michaels, Monday Night Football, right? Frank Gifford, all of them. But if you haven't had a shot yet to watch Eli and Peyton, it's the greatest thing on TV. So I have watched it, and I think I am in the minority. Uh-oh. I love Peyton Manning, uh, and I love him and Eli. They're, they're, they're pretty entertaining. So 
it's not an issue with them necessarily, but they don't have the they don't have the the sound from the stadium behind them. Uh, and in the broadcast, I kind of miss that. Um, I think they bring in too many guests. Uh, some of the guests are not very entertaining. So, some of them are. Pat McAfee was great. He's yeah, he's um, fantastic. I thought Gronk was good. I love Gronk. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like Patrick Willis, what were you? What, what's he doing there? That right. that didn't make any sense. I and it, you know, I'm just saying for the for the. You know, for the fan watching the game, I like to I like to feel the you know the stadium, and having the the sound of just two people sitting in a room talking, kind of kind of just doesn't do it for me. I get it. I understand that. I respect that. I I just think that the uh, the other ones are just so like they're just so bad. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of the of the current Monday Night booth by any means. So I don't know what the what the real answer is, but you know, I, I just feel like if they could put if they could still have the sound from the stadium on in the background behind Peyton and Eli, I think that might I think that might make it better for me. You think that's an issue with the right? Fox still does Monday Night, right? It's ESPN. ESPN. So they do have the rights to it. So that is weird. Yeah. ESPN two has Eli and Peyton. Yeah, but they're both and, owned by the same. Right. Players. I'm just saying it. I feels like the viewership is the going over. Who are so the people that are on the Monday Night crew? They're probably pissed off that this is happening because they're not getting the amount of people watching them that they probably want. I guess. Yeah. I, it's an. I, I, I enjoy it. Like you wanted. Right. Right. Yeah. They, which they should have done. Yeah, sure. But right. They messed that one up. So anyway, that's all I wanted to say. I I do enjoy it. Yeah, just getting the perspective Payton, of those two, it's at such a different level than Booger McFarlane can give me. Oh, yeah, it's also only one Hall of Famer on that so, show. Eli's not a Hall of Famer. Just want to throw that in there. Okay, move on. All right, you're up. <laughs> all right. NFL. Sorry, my bad. That's my ADD. All right, so I did it with Syracuse. I'm going to do it with the Titans as well. Um, the Titans are minus five at home against the Colts on Sunday. And by all accounts, they should win the game. But giving away five points uh, to a division rival coming off an emotional win on the road. Uh, that's a, that's a trap spot for me. And I'm, I'm going to put my money down on the Colts plus five in that game. Is Carson okay. was playing? He is. He is. I don't know if that helps. Two twisted ankles and all. <laughs> I don't know if that helps or hurts you. Right. Right. Yeah. Ball. All right. What do you got next? I, I Caleb, honestly, I don't think I, um, I, I don't think I would change my mind based on the quarterback. I think, I think Eason or um, Humley, either one could probably be just as effective as Wentz. All right. All right. Yeah. So, okay. So second on the board for me in the NFL, um, the, the game of the week, in my opinion, uh, Tampa Bay at the Rams. I think that's going to be a very entertaining game. And I think, um, Tampa Bay's due for a little bit of a letdown, in my opinion. Uh, they played really good ball the first two weeks. Now they go on the road against a, a team that knows how to game plan against them. Uh, Antonio Brown is um, on the COVID list. I don't know if he's going to be back off the COVID list in time to play. I'm going to take the Rams at home plus one and a half points. Okay. So he's held that Stafford's better than um, Tom Brady. Is that what you're no, saying? I would not say that, but I think um, – close. 
I, I think Tampa Bay's had, um, you know, they've had a little bit of an easy run so far, and yeah, especially against Atlanta last week. So I, I think with Aaron Donald being able to provide some pressure up the middle, uh, that's something that one the one thing that Brady doesn't handle real well. Um, I think that's uh, an opportunity for the Rams to to take this game at home. All right, I, I, that's gonna be a fun game. I think it is. Very entertaining. Yeah. Yep. And then um, I'm also going to go to uh, my third pick is going to be uh, the Monday night game. You've got uh, Philadelphia at Dallas. Uh, Cowboys are laying three and a half in this game. Uh, Cowboys coming off an emotional win against the Chargers, coming back home. Uh, Eagles coming off a loss. So that's the prime spot for me to take the three and a half points and the Eagles. I think uh, Jalen Hurts keeps them in the game. And I think uh, – at worst, they lose by a field goal, so I'll take the three and a half. All right, I love I love having something on Monday night. That makes everything fun. Sure, and uh, like I've done the last two weeks, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out two player props as well. Um, and man, we got beat by uh, David Montgomery by two yards last week. Two yards on the rushing prop, so that was a that was a bad beat. The I game plan was exactly like we thought it was. Monday night. And yeah. lost by one yard. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was. Let me just, I got to remember exactly what it is here. Um, yeah, it was uh, one and a half yards with, um, what was the Monday night game? I got to remember who it was. I don't remember. Why am I losing my mind right now? <laughs> I don't remember. Either way, um, whatever it was. Monday night, Monday night was Packers. Had DeAndre Swift 28 and a half receiving yards along with Green Bay winning, and Aaron Jones at 68 yards, 68 and a half. He had 67. He had 60 at half. It's because Aaron Jones was lining them up. I mean, because Aaron Rodgers lined them up. Two Aaron Jones passing, but one and a half yards. Unbelievable. That's crazy. So speaking of DeAndre Swift, that's my play this week. Yes. I'm going over 31 and a half receiving yards. So let's get back on the bike, Mike. All we right, can, let's do it. We, we, can make, we can make do. But, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, obviously you watch these Detroit games – they're they're going to be behind. Um, they're going to be throwing, and the and the wide receivers are not a strength of the Lions. They have a great tight end, uh, but their wide receivers are largely unknown, and they really do like to use Swift and Jamal Williams out of the backfield. And so, I think the game plan is going to get a lot of action out of the backfield, um, even through the air. So we're going to go over thirty-one. It is worth noting, keep an eye on that bed, because he is questionable for the second straight week. Yeah, but they, that's because they miss practice Wednesday or Thursday, I know, so they have to mark him as questionable. Keep it. Right. Keep yeah, it I get it. He will sure. be playing. I think he will yeah. be, too. Yeah. I'm just going out the information yeah. I have. All right, what else do you got here? Let's, I, I love these so far. And another, and another side note there, Caleb, if you do put a bet in on Swift and he doesn't play, you get refunded. So That is correct. Yep. The only way you lose is if he, he does suit up and play and then not, not get there. That's right. So, okay. so and the, uh, the, the other player prop I'm going to go with, uh, we're, we're going to go to um, the Washington football team. Uh, they're, uh, they're matched up at Buffalo. And – I don't know if you've noticed since Tyler Henneke's taken over a quarterback, uh, Terry McLaurin is his guy. Uh, he's eating up a ton of targets. And I think, obviously, Washington, uh, they're seven-and-a-half-point underdogs in this game. 
they're go- they're going to be behind. They're going to be throwing. So I'm taking Terry McLaurin over five and a half receptions in that game. All right, incredibly underrated receiver, by the way. That guy's a stud. Oh, he's he's awesome. Yeah, his hands are incredible. Taylor Heineke, yep. the pride of Old Dominion University, no former Battlehawk. Are you right, <laughs> former Battlehawk? We're just so sad this magic isn't playing. Call, 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 call. 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 I heard there's like women doing that in the all the aisles of shame or something. (laughs) We stay away away from the old whites. The old whites scare me a little bit. Um, Just to be fair, we got Indiana plus five against Tennessee. We've got the Rams plus one and a half at home against Tampa Bay. Philly plus three and a half at at Dallas at Jerry World. Swift over the 31 and a half receiving yards and McLaren over five and a half receptions. That's it. Oh, dude. I, I feel I feel like this is the week. Who plays today? Uh, right now we've got well we got Marshall and App State on We're talking the, about NFL. Oh, that is Carolina is playing Houston. Houston. Okay. I do have money on that game too. Uh, that was uh, thank you Pat McAfee bet um, risk free on FanDuel. So put ten bucks in. If I lose, I get it back. If I win, I win sixty nine dollars. Not bad. Not bad at all. <laughs> right dude anything else okay anything else first of all have an absolute blast in tennessee i'm looking forward to it and yeah i don't i don't have anything else let's let's have a winning week here like i said if the cardinals can win 12 in a row i can win 12 in a row nothing and but if we faith, win, brother nothing but faith. and if we if we win 12 in a row we're gonna make a lot of money absolutely and we're gonna make all of you guys who are listening uh i think it's up to about three hundred forty-two thousand. Mm-hmm. that sounds about right yeah i think that's i think that was the number i got last week now you know, Amy does listen a lot, my wife, so it could be her listening to a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but again, I've got it. We got your back. Hey, listen, um, gambling is a fickle little creature. We know that. And it, we, when, you're, when, you're, when you're down, you're not out. So That's right. I That's feel like we are right back on that train, and here we go. Here I'm we a, go. I'm yep. a hopeful pessimist. Next stop, Caleb Starter. <laughs> That's how that's right. Hopeful pessimist. Dude, we're gonna get we can't thank you for joining us. I, I, every week we absolutely love it. I, I I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you've got a family and everything else, so we really appreciate you taking an hour and a half to come on and, and just absolutely talk about nonsense with Caleb and I. Absolutely. I love it. Wouldn't have it any other way. Thanks again appreciate for having you, me. Brother. Again, safe travels to Tennessee. Um Derek Henry needs another big night for me in my fantasy league, so Let's keep that train rolling. If they could throw the ball to A.J. Brown a few more times, I'd be okay with that as well. Well, they threw it to him plenty of times. He problem is he dropped like four passes last week. So we're going to have yeah. to get some him on the gloves this week. Told you Julio was the wide receiver. He needs to get those Beckham gloves. Right. <laughs> so, again, we really appreciate it. Listen, um, once again, guys, we can't thank you enough. Kev, you got anything else that you need to say before we get out of here? No, I think I covered it. Um, we, are, we are going to release two episodes this weekend. We're going to – Release this one, which you will see tomorrow morning. Well, it's Thursday night where we are right now, but it will be Friday morning for your commute. Uh, we will also be releasing one on Saturday, uh, which we're pretty excited about as well. Uh, we can't thank again. We can't thank Mike in, enough. He's a, such a valuable guy to come on. So much knowledge, and we love the, the discussions. And it's great knowing he's petty, and now I know why I got hit by whistle balls. <laughs> so I might still have a couple bruises on that those shins somewhere. So we do know that. Listen, guys, once again, find us on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a, a five-star rating. You can find us on Twitter at more underscore noble. You can find Mike on there at Michael Godar. You can find Caleb at Caleb Noble 08. Uh, we're all on there. They're, they're, it's fun. We love to get on there and just, if nothing else, 
bad opinions all over the place. Enjoy the Cardinals' success. Uh, you, hey, keep it rolling. Keep the train rolling. We're soaring. St. Louis is flying. Uh, we're hunting red Octobers. We absolutely love it. You guys are all the best. Have a fantastic weekend. Stay safe. Take care of each other. Cheers. The more you know, the more you know, the more you know, it's the more you know. Noble.